0: Hallelujah. I'm excited right now. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38 in the New King James Version. It says, now it happened as they went, that they entered a certain village. Other scriptures, we know that this village is Bethany, all right? And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. That's pretty bold right there. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which is... I love this last part, which will not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. I want to sit at Jesus' feet because it's not going to be taken away from me. I want to be in his presence because his presence is not going to be taken away from me. Amen? Hallelujah. I want to preach for a few moments with the subject staying in God's presence. Staying in God's presence. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's already anointed. God, I've prayed, I've studied, Lord. I feel like that this is what you want me to uh, present to the church today. I'm asking you, Lord, to anoint me with the power of the Holy Ghost that I can speak your word in boldness. I'm asking you to open our ears and open our eyes to hear, to see what you would have to say to us today. Let the seed of the word, Father, go deep inside of us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Shelly asked me yesterday, she said, you ready for tomorrow? And I said, I thought I was. I thought I was. I was about done with the sermon. And God said, that's not what you're preaching. I was like, great. Great. How many God, has God ever changed your plans? You thought you knew what you were doing. You thought you were going right where God wants you. And then he changed your plans. Tony Burrow told me, he said, I can hardly wait until you call me up one day and say, hey, I got in the pulpit and had my message. And God said, no, you're not preaching that today. I said, I hope that never happens. (laughs) This was bad enough for me. I know when I was growing up, I loved to hang out with my friends. How many like hanging out with your friends? How many had some pretty cool friends? I did. I did. I, how many had to change friends once you got saved? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I heard a joke the other day. It? it says, I went to hang out at a friend's house. He told me to make myself at home, so I kicked him out because I hate having people over. I thought that's pretty good. I'm making myself at home. That's a bad one. That's a bad one right there. I have friends that really funny. The other day, we're riding in the car, and. uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but the brakes were hit real hard. And uh, everybody just you know shoved up into the seat in front of them and everything. And uh, I told my boys, I said, when I was a kid hanging out with my friends, I had these two friends. And uh, they, were, they were hilarious. They were my age and, and my brother's age. But we were riding around in a van one day. We liked to cruise. How many of you ever cruised when you were young? Just cruised wasting gas. It wasn't that expensive back then. So we were cruising in Festus, Missouri, just south of St. Louis, and uh, people from all over come down to that little city to cruise. They'd go to the little downtown. I mean, it was just bumper to bumper. You, I mean, you talk to everybody that come through there. But we, we, we went down. We get to the Kmart parking lot. That's where you turn around. You head back up the strip. And uh, my friend hit the gas too hard. I'm sitting in the passenger seat, my friend's driving, his brother's sitting right behind him, my brother's behind me, and when he took the, hit the gas hard, it it threw the, the other brother up into the seat and it made him mad. He reached around, punched his brother in the face, knocked his tooth out, all while he's driving. That was my good friend's. They were pastors' kids, by the way. (laughs) So I was just reminded of that story this week. But I I loved hanging out with my friends. I had some pretty decent friends that kept me out of trouble, didn't get me into too much trouble. I had some funny friends. I had some cool friends. I even had some nerdy friends. How many have some nerdy friends? I had them too. I was the nerdy friend of all my friends. I just didn't know it. Didn't realize it. As life goes on, you'll find people that you enjoy their company, that you want to hang around. It just seems like every time you're around them, you're laughing. There's a lot of fun to it. It's just you like to hear what they're talking about. I used to love to talk to my grandparents because uh, it, when I was young, I used to say, I love talking to old people. Now I'm an old person. But I loved hearing their stories. My granny Abney would always ask me, Did I tell you about this or that? And I've heard the story like a dozen times. I said, No, tell me. And she would tell me the story. And about the time she got to the end of it, then I'd hit the punchline and she'd smack me. She said, I've told you this before. But I loved being around her, I enjoyed talking to her. It was fun. It was insightful. I, I gained wisdom from it. But at the same time, it was just fun to talk to her. I enjoyed talking to my grumpy old grandpa, too. Did you wash your hands? Like I just walked out of the bathroom. Can't you see the soap dripping? You know, I'm doing this. I enjoyed talking to him. I enjoyed being around my, my grandpa Foster, my granny Foster. I enjoyed being with them. I looked forward to being with him. I just wanted to hang around him. We didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to go anywhere. I just wanted to be around them. I just wanted to be in their presence. That's what I was after. We have friends that way. We enjoy their friendship. If we have close friends, then we're blessed. Some people just, they tell me, I don't have any close friends. But if you have close friends, you're blessed. Friends that you can share anything with is definitely a blessing. You just want to talk to them. You just want to visit with them. It's enjoyable, it's relaxing, it's encouraging. It seems that no matter the, what we're going through, we have that one friend we can depend on. Now again, I know everybody doesn't have that. I have that. I have that in my wife. I can depend on her. Even if I'm wrong, I can tell her whatever it is, and she'll just smile and listen. She'll be there for me. After a while, she'll probably correct me. You're wrong, Drew, but I still love you, right? Well, unfortunately, friends let each other down. Friends even hurt us at times, right? Proverbs 18.24 says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen at this. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, come on. That's the kind of friend I want. Even if I'm in the wrong, I have a friend that's going to stay with me, that's going to be there with me, that will even listen to me, but a good friend will even tell me when I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Even though Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, sometimes... We become too busy for Jesus. How many's ever been guilty of that? You can be quiet. You don't have to amen that part. That's Okay, that's me. I don't necessarily believe that we intend to become too busy. But we get caught up with the affairs of the world and it just happens. So many things are going on. So many things are drawing our attention. So many things are calling out to us. I think about the school, and I mentioned we have school teachers here. The school has so many activities going on for your child and different events. I drove by a school yesterday, and I seen they were having a fundraiser. I was like, we're one week into school, and we're already out of money, and we're having to have a fundraiser. What happened here? Of course, I know they have all their boosters. They have all these different things going on. And after a while, we get drawn in as parents that we want our child to be in everything that there is. And we do everything. Our finances go out of our pockets and into the schools, buying equipment, buying football stuff, baseball, basketball, tennis, uh, band stuff, cheerleading, volleyball. It it doesn't matter. It all costs the parents something. And so they do their best to make sure. And by the way, we have have a, a student here today that that's selling some candy so if you need some candy (laughs) uh, her little fundraiser she needs that so i'll I'll give her a plug today you see miss star and she can help you out with that but so many things draw for our attention when the one good part the place we need to be we get so busy doing other things we don't realize that's where we need to be or maybe this right here. The enemy keeps putting things in our eyesight to draw us away from the master. See, we don't think of the school or anything else of being bad. But maybe the, the enemy's pushing even good things more and more and more until you're so busy you're not able to be in the presence of Jesus. Come on. Come on. That's good right there. Good. I'm talking about some things, too, that we don't need to be involved with. But maybe everyone else is. Their child's doing it. They're involved with it. Well, okay, I can cut out Wednesday church, and we'll go ahead and do that. I'll I'll cut out Sunday night service so they can do that. Well, in our text today, we see Jesus and his entourage. uh, They're coming into the Bethany. I heard one preacher preach. He said there was probably 25 or 30 people with him at this day. Bethany is a suburb of Jerusalem, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. We know, we all know Martha, and we know her sister. We know her brother, Lazarus. How many remember Lazarus? Lazarus. Hallelujah. The Scripture said that Martha invited Jesus into her home. Martha sounds like a woman that liked to host events. If I had a big house... I'm telling you, probably after church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, I would say, hey, everybody, just let's go over to my house and let's, let's fellowship. I love fellowshipping like that. I do. It's football season now. We can go home. We, we can watch the football game. We can watch a baseball game together, you know. Some days, me and my dad, will go in and watch a ball game or whatever, not even talk that much, but just enjoy each other's company and visit and fellowship Sometimes I just invite people over to mom and dad's house. I'll be a good host for them. They're praying, God, give him a house. God, give him a house. Well, it looks like she wanted to help. Martha wanted to help. She wanted to do good. Martha's not a bad person. Martha's a good person. Martha's a Christ follower. All right? I'm sure Martha was excited for Jesus to be in her house and counted it a privilege to have, the, uh, to have Jesus and the disciples there and to be able to serve them in her own home. Martha was concerned about the meal she was preparing. She was concerned. I'm sure she wanted everything to go perfectly. Jesus is in the house. I want everything to go perfectly. Well... Martha didn't want anything out of order. She was working hard. She was working hard, doing a good thing. And what was her sister doing? Setting around and her eyes being lazy. <laughs> That's the way I read it. She's thinking, her sister should be in there helping me. She even says it later, Jesus, she's in here sitting while I'm doing all the work. Don't you don't you think you need to say something? Mary wasn't concerned about the dinner being ready on time. Her focus was spending time in the presence of Jesus. Although the meal was important, we all like to eat. Shelly texted me yesterday. She said, uh, dinner will be ready in seven minutes. I was counting down them seven (laughs) minutes. I was hungry. I, I I just thought, we eat back here in the church yesterday. And when I walked back there, I was just like, that meal better be ready. I am so hungry. Man, she 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 cooked like nobody's business. She lit up that microwave like you can't believe. It was awesome. You, you know, this has nothing to do with anything. You can take the boy off the road, but you can't take the road out of the boy. We used to grow up on them canned tamales. She fixed them last night. I was just like. They were good. Oh, she cooked and She said they were on the stove. I'm sorry. But Mary wasn't concerned about the dinner. The meal was important. They all needed to eat. But the most important thing we'll ever do is to sit at Jesus' feet. It doesn't matter what our church does in this community. There will never be anything more important than this congregation sitting at the feet of Jesus, sitting in the presence of God. Hallelujah. It's the most important thing to bask in his glory, look into his face, draw as close as humanly possible. Can you imagine sitting at at Jesus' feet? She was looking up at Jesus. She was looking up at the Son of God. She probably seen the wrinkles. I had wrinkles at 33. She was probably seeing some wrinkles in his face. She was was seeing the mannerisms that Jesus used. She was listening to his voice. And not only that, she was being attentive to it. I know my boys hear my voice, but they're not really listening. She was at his feet. He had her undivided attention. Well... What Martha was worried about, what she was concerned about was important. But there's never, ever, nothing, all these negative words I'm saying to you nothing, never, anything more important than being in the presence of Jesus. Spending time in the presence, staying in the presence of Jesus. That's the title of my sermon today, staying in. In the presence of Jesus. I, I've, I found something out the older I get. The more I stay in the presence of Jesus, the less problems that Drew has to deal with. It's when I'm walking out of his presence where I have problems. I'm afraid that the Christian church has become like Martha. Worried about how the church looks. Instead of worrying about do we house the presence of Jesus. We're worried about our sign on the road. Is it inviting? Worried if our lawn is properly manicured. Worried about if we have the right children's program. Worried about if we have the right youth program. Worried if our youth room is cool and hip enough. Worried about our pastor, if he's relevant enough. Sensitive to our feelings. And loving to the sinner. We're worried... That the heating and air is at an optimum temperature, which it's not today. We're worried that our music is the ideal decibel. We don't want to offend. That the colored lights are shining perfectly back here to make me look thinner. (laughs) Or to look better on Facebook, whatever that's for Can I tell you, we need to be worried about having an encounter with Jesus. We need to worry about staying in the presence of Jesus. What we need to be worried about is how close can I get to Jesus. What we need to be concerned about is what Jesus is saying. What we need to be worried about is not the sign by the road or the lawn being cut or the programs for the kids, the lights, the temperature, the sound, or the padded you're sitting on. What we need to be concerned with is finding our way to the proximity of Jesus, getting as close as we can to him, and getting so close we can hear his heartbeat. Glory. We need to be so hungry to hear his voice. We'll position ourselves to hear him. Mary positioned herself in the presence of God. This is so simple. I'm a simple person, so I get this grit. It it just is awesome to me. She positioned, God drops this in my heart all the time, position ourselves to have an encounter with Him. Position ourselves to be in His presence. This is so simple. Mary, what'd she do? Jesus was right there. What'd she do? She went and sat at His feet. She positioned herself to hear him, to feel him, to listen to what he's saying. We have to position ourselves in the presence of God. We need to be excited to walk into this room to feel the Shekinah glory. Hallelujah. That dwelling or settling glory is what she kind of means. We need to be in the room with him. We need to be close to him. We need to feel him. We need to touch him. We need to hear him, what he's saying to us. We need to be so close to him that it's impossible for us not to hear him. We need to be worried about sitting at Jesus' feet, getting close enough to hear his heartbeat. We need to be in the presence of Jesus and stay there. And stay there. Well, Pastor, how does that happen? We, we have the presence of God here. Well, absolutely. But you know what? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is inside of you. That means his indwelling presence is in you. If you will stay in the right mind, the right frame of mind, and continue to have him on your mind all the time, that presence is in you. The problem is we get in the flesh. There's too many things to do. We have something to do. We get into the flesh. And we stop feeling his presence. What happens when we stay in God's presence? Psalm 1611 says this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How many need joy? In a world that's gone crazy, I need some joy. Things that don't make sense anymore, I need some joy. I need to be able to laugh at some of these things that's coming out of the White House. And I do most of the time. The church world has way too many Christians that are beat up, beat down, bitter, hurt, sad, mad, resentful, injured, wounded, damaged, dissatisfied, disgruntled, and finally disabled. Why? As a whole, the church is not staying in God's presence. They're not staying at Jesus' feet. Because when we're staying in God's presence, the word says there's fullness of joy. If there's fullness of joy in his presence, why wouldn't we want to stay in his presence? Psalms 30 and 11 says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and, and clothed me with gladness. We should be happy. We should be excited. We should be joyful. Don't think well. This is my circumstances, so I had to dwell in this, and and it's a mourning situation, and so I, I'm going to have to be sad about it. I'm going to have to be bitter about it. I'm going to have to. That's not what the word says. In His presence is fullness of joy. The church has taken their focus off God, and begin to sink like Peter did. How many remember the story? Jesus walking on the water. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. Peter, the crazy pastor, stepped. He stepped on something he should not have been able to walk on. He stepped out into something he should have never been. He should have never been able to stand on. 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 And he began to walk to Jesus. But when he lost focus, he noticed the winds, the waves crashing in and around. And what's going on here? He began to sink. We had to stay focused on God. The church world is seeing the waves of life crashing around them. And have lost sight of the thing that is needful. That's the presence of God. That's the presence of Jesus. We are careful and concerned about everything else and forgot the one thing that is needful. Mary chose that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And that's staying in the presence of Jesus. In God's presence, there is peace that passes all understanding. When there should be no peace in his presence, there is peace. You go through, through things in life, you wonder, how did I get through that? And you look back on it, it wasn't through me, it was through his peace. I was able to walk where I walked. Hallelujah. When we stay in God's presence, there is life forevermore. He's the great shepherd watching over us, loving us. When we stay in the presence of God, we have our redeemer. Whew, we have our redeemer near us at all times. We have our rock, our refuge. In His presence, we have the living water. We have the bread of life. We have our provider. We have our defender. We have our healer. We have our faithful and unchanging Lamb of God. We need to stay in Jesus' presence. Staying in the presence of God will keep you out of trouble. Trouble's still going to come. But I, I love this part right here. But if I'm in Jesus and He's in me, that presence, that abiding presence in me, if the trouble that I get into, guess what? I took Jesus into my trouble with me. I'm not looking for trouble. Trouble finds me. That's the way that happens. Staying in God's presence will keep us out of trouble because whatever wants to trouble you, has to trouble Jesus, too. Lord Jesus. How do we stay in God's presence? I heard this word this past week. Consent to intimacy. Consent to intimacy. We have misconstrued the word intimacy. According to Webster's Dictionary, intimacy means familiarity. Something of a personal or private nature. Dr. Google says that intimacy means closeness, togetherness, or attachment. Wow. There are things in each one of our lives that we can become close with, partner with, and even attach ourselves to that's not the presence of God. There are things that we need to get rid of. I just say it like it is. There are sins that we need to get rid of. Come on, come on. Too many times, and probably not intentional, we become intimate with things we should never have let in our lives. It affects our relationship with God. It affects our intimacy with Him. The Bible says in James 4, draw near to God, and he would draw near to you. If we'll get closer and closer to Jesus and stay in his presence, it'll keep us from being intimate with the things we shouldn't be intimate with. It'll keep us from being close to the things that we shouldn't be close with. It'll keep us from attaching ourselves to things we should have never been attached with. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. Four and eight. How do we draw near to God? How do we stay in God's presence? I can tell you the, the formula that Mary used, and I believe this is, is the formula. She chose to stay in Jesus' presence. Wow, that's just some like heavy knowledge you just dropped on you right. It's so simple. She made a choice. She made a, she knew everything that needed to be done. It was all good things. She knew the meal needed to be prepared. I'm sure there was a whole list that Martha probably had. Hey, we got to get this 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 this. She probably had a whole list of things. But Mary chose the good part. Mary chose to stay in the presence of Jesus. She could have been running around trying to make sure everything was going to perfection. She could have been distracted with the work that needed to be done. Mary could have been passive and just said hello to Jesus and went on her way and did all the work. But she didn't. She chose the good part. She understood. She realized in that moment, that doesn't make Martha a terrible person. It just means that Mary in that moment realized, I need to be with Jesus. I need to stay in his presence. This other stuff will handle itself. I'm not real worried about it. The bread of life is here. If I need to eat something, he's here. If I'm thirsty, he's here. She chose to put everything on the side. She chose to go against the grain. She chose to get close to Jesus. She chose to listen to His voice over all the others. She chose to hang on His every word. Mary chose to stay in the presence of Jesus. And today, we have a choice to make. Do you want to stay in the presence of Jesus? Hallelujah. 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 Are we going to stay in the presence of Jesus Are we going to have to go on with our activities, go on with our daily lives, and do what we think we have to do? There's so many things that we've become attached to that we do not need in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are we seeking God with all of our heart? Are we seeking him first? Or is it our wife first? Our grandkids first? Is it our spouse? Is it our kids? Is it our job first? You think, Pastor, Then this is crazy talk. No, this is the word of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things are going to follow. If we'll seek him first, he's going to take care of all these other things. I want to tell you there is nothing more important than you and I. We can't do anything more important. There is nothing more important. Than us being in the presence of Jesus. When we put forth the effort. God will not disappoint. Jesus said there's one thing that's needful. And Mary has chosen the right thing. That good part. What Jesus is saying here is. Because Mary put forth the effort. Gave up her time. Put everything to the side. Positioned herself to pursue after Jesus. Jesus said this will not be taken away from her. The presence of God has been so strong in this building for one reason. We have chose to stay in God's presence. We have chose to lift our voice and do the radical thing. We've chose to have spontaneous praise because it's just bubbling in our heart. We're seeking first the kingdom of God. We want to give Him glory. We want to give Him praise. We're staying at the feet of Jesus. We're staying in the presence of God. That's why we're seeing the outpouring we're seeing right now. Jesus. Jesus. Mary chose the best thing. She is right where I want her. And I'll not be taken from her. I'll stay in her presence because she chose to stay in my presence. Oh. (laughs) Hallelujah. we have to choose to stay in his presence he said then it won't be taken from me I'm going to choose to stay in your presence Martha wasn't a bad woman she was a follower of Jesus she received Jesus she served Jesus she was the first to go to him when in need She had faith in Him. She believed in the physical resurrection and the eternal life. She confessed Jesus to be Christ and God's Son. But she was distracted. What all this shows us is even Christ followers can lose focus of the one thing that's needful. That good part. (laughs) That's staying in the presence of Jesus. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha could have been enjoying the presence of the Lord too, but she was too busy. She was distracted. She was concerned with something else. Friday night, we went down to Little Rock and we heard John Kilpatrick speak. I'm not a big follower of John Kilpatrick. First time I ever heard him speak was a few months ago over in Russellville. But as I sat there and listened to his story, John Kilpatrick was the pastor of Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida, when revival broke out, and they went into revival for five years. Five years. Millions of people come through their building. Can you imagine the wear and tear on their building? Night after night, millions of people coming. Brother Kilpatrick said he'd been praying for two and a half years. He'd been at this church for 13 years pastoring. Been praying for two and a half years. God send a revival. A large church. I think they said it seats 1,700 people and it was full. And he, I heard him uh, say this, I think it was at Russellville. He said, I was ready to leave the church. Great money, great people, great congregation, great, great facilities. He said, but I wanted the power and the presence of God, and I wanted to go wherever that was at. On Father's Day, June eighteenth, 1995, he said, the power and the presence of God was so strong that after he preached, he said he just walked over and was out in the spirit laying on the floor. He said 13 years of pastoring that church, he said they'd never seen that happen. He said, I've never laid in the floor before like that. He said, I couldn't get up. I couldn't raise my eyelids. He said, I couldn't get my tongue to, to work. He said, but in my mind, he said, I was still had my thoughts and I was praying to God and God was, was talking back to me. He said the presence of God was so strong, I couldn't move. He said I could raise my head this much off the floor. He said he laid there for four hours to a packed out house. He said that when he's finally able to get up off the floor, they helped him over to his seat. He looked out and the church was still full of people. Four hours? Pastor Drew, that's crazy talk. Been in the presence of God that long. I've got things to do. I've got a roast on the the stove right now. It has carrots and potatoes in it. I can't let it cook that. It would ruin. I got my husband at home, you know, and he's going to be aggravated at me. I got my wife at home. She's going to be aggravated. I got kids at home. I got to go feed. Four hours? Are you crazy? When the presence of God is there, you better honor the presence of God. You better understand how important the presence of God is and how special it is that He's come to dwell with you. 1,700 people still in that auditorium. I don't know what time church started. Maybe it started at 10. Here it is, 3 o'clock in the afternoon now. There's no one gone. Everybody's still sitting in this auditorium. The parking lot's still full. 350 kids is in the children's church. Can you imagine that? The children workers were going crazy. The parents are supposed to go pick up the kids, and there's not a parent out there. So what did they do? They exhausted everything, all their toys, all their suckers, he said, their lollipops, he said, their Tootsie Rolls. They run out of everything. These kids were hungry. They did everything to pacify these kids. And finally they said, we, we have to get these kids to their parents. So they brought them into the auditorium. Brother Kilpatrick said, he said, as I seen the kids starting to walk in, he said, I seen the presence and the power of God fall on these children. He said, they come in with their hands raised. They begin to pray for people. They be, I think he even said someone was speaking in tongues. The power and the presence of God. When you house the power and the presence of God, things are going to happen differently. Children that, you know, you think of these rotten kids, these rotten kids is God's kids. They come in worshiping the Lord, in the presence of God. The people had a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God. They had a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God. And we know Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then it says these last few words. For they shall be filled. If you're hungry today, he's going to fill you. If you're thirsty today, he's going to fill you. He's a gentleman. He's not going to beat you over the head and say, hey, eat of me, drink of me. He's not going to do that. He wants hungry and thirsty people coming after him, doing the unusual to see the miraculous. Normal people don't cry like you do, Drew. Normal people don't raise their hands, shout and scream, spit and sweat. I want to see the presence of God. And if He'll do that quietly while I'm cozied up in my waterbed, that's great. And He's done that. But it's usually when I'm shouting in praises, it's when I'm worshiping Him from the bottom of my heart. When I'm seeking him, he says, I'm going to find him. When I'm hungry for him, he said, I'm going to feed you. When I'm thirsty for him, he said, I'm going to give you drink. I'm going to be full of the power and the presence of Jesus. The people in Brownsville were hungry. They'd been praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When he said this the other night, it just... Popped up in my head two and a half years of prayer. Maybe they're better prayers than I am, but we've been praying here at the church Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. for probably the better part of three or four years. He said this the other day He said, If your miracle or the miraculous is beyond your next prayer, would you pray one more prayer? Would you pray one more day? Would you pray one more hour? He said, I'm convinced we stopped short. He said, God knew I wasn't gonna stop. I wanted him or I wanted nothing. Moses said, Lord, don't take your presence from the basically this drew's interpretation. If you're not going, if your presence is not going with me, I'm not going. I'm staying with you. Would you stand with us? He said these words the other night. Staying in God's presence. He said, he walked up to me and he said, my friend, how's the presence of God? They're etched in my mind. They're not going away. My friend, how's the presence of God? How do we do that? We continue to position ourselves at Jesus' feet. His presence is in us today. Continue to house his presence. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I ask you today to forgive me, Lord, if I didn't present it the way you wanted to present it. (laughs) I'm asking you, Lord, today, let the word penetrate, Lord. Lord. Go where my words can't go, Lord. Your spirit goes. I'm asking you, Lord, to touch us, make us hungry, Lord. I know we had to cultivate things to make us, or we had to get rid of some things, so we'll be hungry for you, Lord. When I stop eating candy, even vegetables sound good. We've got to create an appetite for your presence. Lord, and we've did that. We've been doing that. I'm asking you, Lord, as we move into worship right now, God, that your presence falls on us. Lord, fill this place. We want to stay in your presence, Jesus.